Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Milwaukee, start your engines. It's a new season. It's a new show. This is the Final Inspection Show with Steve Zaki. Presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove. Driven by Milwaukee Area Napa Auto Care Association. Now, Final Inspection on 105.7 FM, The Fan. Here's Steve Zaki. Welcome back to the Final Inspection Show, brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove, Wisconsin, along with our friends at the Milwaukee Area Napa Auto Care Association. They, of course, can be found on the web at milwcar.com. And it's a with pleasure to have Kevin Olson on their Great Midwest Bank Hotline. Kevin, of course, uh, has just released a book with uh, Lou Boyd from our friends at Coastal 181. Uh, great name, Cages Are for Monkeys. And I guess we should get that out of the way first, Kevin. Uh, tell us about the title of the book. Well, uh, first of all, before I start that, can I compliment you on your uh, theme music that I just heard? Well, you know, thank the, you. The, the, well, the reason I say that, last night I was at this arts and entertainment dance club, uh, and uh, I noticed whenever the girls come on, they played that kind of music, and it kind of <laughs> you know put a smile on my face, you know. So, anyway... Uh, now that, uh, uh, no, the cages for monkeys, when I first started racing open wheel cars, Midges, uh, back in 1970, I, I drove for a guy that, uh, he was an older guy. And back then, of course, cages weren't on race cars. They just had little roll bars. And in 1970, they kind of had the transition period for, uh, uh, going from the roll, from the roll bar to the roll cage. And, and this guy's son was driving his car. His name is what George Macbeth. And he was used to the roll bar and everything. And when 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 they first put these cages on, he hated them. And a lot of the old guys did too. I was never quite understood that because they saved a lot of lives through the years. But uh, I guess they thought back then that you know you put a cage on the car and you get all these wild kids and everything and lose the respect for the other racer. And uh, so he hated the he hated the cages. And he, you know, and I just remember him telling me cages are for monkeys and he he hung a little (laughs) monkey uh dowel on the back of his cage when he raced you know but he he was absolutely against them i always got a kick out of that because he said all them cages are for monkeys you know so that's kind of where it come from the old school type thinking which i've kind of tried to keep in my own thinking through the years because i'm old but uh uh that's where it come from basically um it's interesting because you 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 came that's a Real interesting time in auto racing that era. About 1970, of course, we had the, the like what you were mentioning with the roll cages and that. But it was also as a transitional period too, with a lot of uh, cars transitioning from the offy 
Now, I think one of my first conversations I had with you 20-some years ago, I'm sure you're not going to remember it, but I think I mentioned, I asked you if you ever ran an offie, and I thought you said you ran an offie in a race or two very, very early in your career. Is that correct? Well, you know, uh, when I was talking about this guy with the uh, cages, you know, or for monkeys quote, his son shortly after that, you know, quit racing, and his dad hired me. Now, he had a nice little offie engine in this car and I ran it for basically a season, ran some USAC races with it and actually ran my first USAC race with it. And through the years, I've probably run off these, Oh, I don't know, 10, 15 times, probably, you know, just, just different ones, different owners. They were certainly fading out at that point with the, uh, the advent of the Chevy two and the Sesco motor, which dominated it during that period, you know, but uh, also the cars changed a lot too. At that point, they went from being like a spring front Curtis, uh, race car to to maybe like the the newer modern Edmonds cars, which went to the Torsion Bar and Coil Springs, and uh, really, uh, really was a, like you said, a great transition period. Yeah, it's interesting. You have a and this book, of course, uh, that that just came out. A lot of great photos. And one of the photos that caught my attention is uh, I know your brother Lauren quite well, uh, and for many years he's been a statistician for Badger Midgets and. And we're both kind of uh, stats freaks. And when I was working at the Milwaukee Mile, uh, he had helped. Uh, we were helping each other kind of compile um, information on midget racing at Milwaukee. This is 20-some years ago. And uh, I forgot that he actually ran. There's a great shot of Lauren, minus a beard, <laughs> in a midget. And then that's a car you took over. Can you uh, quickly tell us that story? Well, uh, Lauren is a, probably like the Donald Davidson of, of he is and stuff. Yep. I mean, he, he's actually got a book coming out also with Coastal on Wisconsin midget racing. It goes back to the 20s. And, I mean, he's dead accurate on everything. He spends lots and lots of time in libraries going over microfilm and all this. But Lauren was uh, uh, wanted to race, and that was my car, actually, that he ran. And, you know, I always figured it was all right for me to get hurt, you know, in, in a car, but I didn't want to see my brother get hurt. And he was pretty good, actually. He ran the, the top ten when he ran, and, and, you know, but I just could Every time he got on the track, I was petrified, which, you know, he was going to get hurt, which makes me wonder how my mother and family thought when I was running. I mean, I was pretty selfish to think <laughs> that, you know, they didn't have the same feelings, and I still kept racing. But, yeah, no, he... He uh, he ran for me and a couple other guys besides, but uh, finally had to give it up because uh, you know he had an honest job. You know he worked at the post office all his life, and he really couldn't go racing <laughs> like like his dumb brother who just didn't care about anything and went racing everywhere. You know. Uh, tell us how the book came about. Well, you know I've been in in, in open wheel racing and stock cars a little bit and a little bit of everything. You know, almost all my life, I started racing quarter midgets when I was like seven years old or six years old, something like that, and continued on, you know, my whole life. That's all I ever wanted to do. And, of course, you know, everything I ever done was a little bit off the ordinary, what most guys do. You know, it's always the uh, guy having a lot of fun all the time. And, uh, you know, it's just a good story to tell after 40. This will be my 47th year of racing coming up and uh, midgets. That is, and uh, just a lot of tales to tell. You know, I've raced all over the world and raced all over just about everywhere in the country, and it's just it's a good story to tell. Uh, I hope uh, I hope the people, you know, after they read the book, uh, think the same thing. Um, 
when you were on the on the show earlier this year, we, we I mentioned that when next time you're on, you got to tell us the Stan Fox story, and uh, this is one of my favorite uh, KL Stan Fox stories. Uh, tell t- tell the listeners about how you guys uh, got a sponsorship in Iowa uh, when you were traveling through. <laughs> well, well, you know, Stanley was the ultimate marketing guy. I mean, that guy was a genius, and I was completely the opposite. You know, I I, I never could raise money or you know wasn't good at it but stan he was he was the guy that knew how to every angle how to make every you know every dollar where he could and he just loved it you know well we were going to california to ascot to run for turkey night and uh we were taking his oh we're going to manzanita i'm sorry out to phoenix to run a a race out there before ascot and he had a car and had the uh john deere emblem on, uh, on the uh hood and uh uh he had it all painted up, you know, type that type of color. I think, well, anyway, we're going through Iowa, and I was telling him, boy, I sure wish I could get a sponsor, you know, for this race, because he all had all kinds of them. And, you know, he, he said, you want to get a sponsor? He got tired of listening to me. He pulls into a, a John Dealer, John Deere dealer out in the middle of Iowa, and I can't remember the town, some little town there. They had a lot of implement parties out there. And we walk into the side, you know, and he asks for the owner. The owner comes out, and he he shakes hands with him. He says, you know, I'm Stan Fox. This is Mr. Olson here, you know. And, uh, you know, we probably got dirty T-shirts on with a race car on it. And uh, we're going to be running a race here in your town this weekend. Well, it was the middle of, of October in Iowa. There ain't a whole lot of racing going on back then, you know. And, uh, in fact, he couldn't even probably tell you what town it was. But uh, he says, and we'd like to, you know, see if you could uh, – help us out a little bit. We took him out, showed him the car, got the big emblem or anything on it. And next thing I know, he's handing, handing Fox a hundred bucks, you know, I mean, they ain't a lot, but I mean, it, it got us down the road a ways. And, uh, Stan never did give me my 50% of course, but, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it, we blew out of town there. And I mean, this guy probably looked in the newspaper the next day and kept looking for a race. There really wasn't a race. So <laughs> it was just, just back in them times, you know, we, we had to do what we had to do to make some money. So, it was a, hopefully it didn't offend anyone. Um, when we come back, we'll talk more uh, with Kevin Olson, of course, with his uh, new book that he co-wrote with Lou Boyd from uh, Coastal. It's available through uh, Coastal181.com and also Amazon. Uh, when we come back, we'll talk about uh, our friend <laughs> uh, Doc Tyler and uh, how he got the name Doc. <laughs> it, it's a, one, this is my favorite part of the book. So when we come back, uh, we'll be talking more about Doc Tyler and, of course, Kevin Olson with his book, uh, Cages Are for Monkeys. You're listening to the Final Inspection Show brought to you by Legendary Great Lakes Dragway and Milwaukee Area Napa Auto Care Association on the web at milwcar.com. This is Final Inspection with Steve Zaki, presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragaway in Union Grove, driven by Milwaukee Area Napa Auto Care Association on 105.7 FM, The Fan. Welcome back to the Final Inspection Show, brought to you by legendary Great Lakes Dragway and Milwaukee Area Napa Auto Care Association on the web at milwcar.com. Joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline is Kevin Olson, Hall of Fame, National Midget. Let me try that again. National Midget Auto Racing Hall of Famer, Kevin Olson, a.k.a. KL. Welcome to, back to the show, Kevin. Well, appreciate it. And also, USAC Hall of Fame. I was very proud to be inducted That's into that right. uh, this year. Yes. This year, so 
very proud of that, along with Rick Mears and Tony Stewart. So that was quite an honor. That's that's a pretty good uh, bunch to be in. Sure. And sure. speaking of a good group to be in, it's always it's always fun to be around a, a guy named Doc Tyler. And uh, of course, him and his brother have been hanging around uh, midget race tracks for many, many years. And uh, you know, I, I in fact never knew Doc's first name, even though I've been hanging around him and Davey Ray and those guys from for quite a few years now. And it, you, there's a section in this book where you where you talk about him and and how did how did Doc get that nickname? Well. Uh... It's pretty hard to, like you said, it's pretty hard to describe the doctor. I mean, <laughs> he'll he'll tell stories about races that he was at in 1949, you know, or 1951, and and he was born in 51, so I don't think he remembers them. But and he's he's got one of those mic, you know, uh, those uh, photographic memories, and so I mean, he can tell the story exactly the way he probably read it. But but he's also been to a million racetracks, and he's. He's just a fun guy, and he knows his stuff, you know, but uh, you never know about some of the tales, you know. But uh, he actually got the name back in the 70s, uh, Tommy Steiner and myself and Fox and and Tim Pangborn. We all kind of, you know, had Doctor with us as mechanic here and there, just generally had fun with him. But uh, he he was working for me one night at Sun Prairie on the car, and uh, uh, during the heat race, they had a, a a guy that they had a yellow flag, and the flagman at the time was a guy named Harvey Conkle, who was a great uh, flagman, a good friend, and a guy that used to run sprint cars pretty darn well too. But anyway, he was a flagman, and back then, you know, they stood on the track like real real flagman should. You know, they stood on the track and waved the flag. They didn't, you know, sit up in the air there. You know, so. Uh, uh, so Harvey's trying to get, they got a yellow flag, and as they're trying to single file line up for the restart, the one guy just kept getting out of line, coming down for the green, and wouldn't, you know, wouldn't stay in line. So finally, uh, under the yellow, you know, he tried to walk out on the track, and he was going to hit the rear wheel with the uh, flag to kind of, you know, let the guy know that he's getting out of line. He was a little upset. Anyway, he got a little too close, and the, the car caught him, hit him, and it flipped him right up in the air, straight up in the air and came down and landed right on the middle of the track, you know, unconscious. Well, in the meantime, right directly above the uh, flag stand in the grandstands there where uh, his his family sat, his mother, his wife, his kids, friends, everybody sat, and, of course, they were horrified, you know, when he got hit. Well, the doctor is the, the first one to run out to the track. He runs out to the middle of the track. He's the first one to Harvey laying in the track. He, he takes his head and he puts his ear right to his heart leans down track puts his ear right to his heart he stands back up and just shakes his head back and forth no like he's gone you know no heartbeat and of course the family is screaming and yelling and i mean they're just totally uh you know out of their mind at this point with this so anyway they loaded harvey up they took him to the hospital or as they were pulling out of track he woke up and uh took him to the hospital and it turned out he had a broken leg but that was about it so the doctor kind of missed the call on that one but then a couple months later we were at santa fe park in chicago and robin miller the, the broadcaster and journalist was running a midget and he ended up hitting the end of the pit wall the cement barrier there and it was a pretty good hit that knocked robin out and of course doctor once again was the man on the scene he ran right over there and you know, just walked away, you know, said he's gone, you know, he's done, you know. And, uh, uh, 
again, Robin was out of the hospital later that evening when he woke <laughs> up. And then the third one that year was Jan Opperman at uh, the Hoosier 100, where uh, unfortunately Jan suffered severe injuries, but uh, the doctor had pronounced him dread coming off the track. So we kind of nicknamed the doctor because he had three fatalities in one year that uh, all three of them were walking around by, you know, most of them by the end of the, the next day. So he kind of stuck with him. So, uh, he's, but he was quite a character. I'll say that. He certainly is. Um, you, you've raced, uh, um, champ dirt cars too. And, um, I kind of always thought that, um, uh, there are some guys like well, sleepy trip is another guy. There are some guys that, uh, go to the big cars and, and some guys are more comfortable. What, what, what was your situation with, with the difference between, uh, the midget and the, and the champ dirt cars or the silver crown cars as they call them now? Yeah, well, you know, to be honest with you, I grew up just fascinated by the champ dirt cars, big cars, we called them back then, of mm-hmm. course, watching Foyt and Rutherford, Parnelli, Herdebees, all these guys run them. And that's really how I got, you know, so and uh, sold on racing at an early age. But uh, uh, I always wanted to run them. I started racing my racing career. And back when I first started, today, they, you know, everybody runs them because their dad buys them one or, it's, right. you know, it's just not... It's not a big thing. Back then, you didn't just go run a big car. You know, I mean, you had to earn your way through the midgets and sprint cars. And then if you're real lucky, some team's going to pick you up, you know. And uh, that kind of was that way, really, pretty much into the late 70s. And uh, about that time, I, you know, I, I was trying to get rides all the time. But uh, most of the guys, you know, were pretty much established USAC sprint guys and all that. And it was really hard to get a... Uh, ride well i finally when uh i started riding for the wilkie uh, uh leader card team in the 80s ralph wilkie uh, the senior wilkie there decided to build me a car and, and we'd go racing i was ecstatic about it of course well i ran a couple races and uh actually we did pretty well at the hoosier hundred we were uh uh the rookie of the year there and uh and then about that point in my career, the next year, I ended up breaking my back uh, at the start of the year in three places, and uh, kind of George Snyder took over the ride for me until I got healthy again. And then the next year, uh, about the time you know I got going again, I broke my neck at Hales Corners in a midget. And, uh, and then the following year, I had another injury where uh, it took me out for the whole summer. So them three seasons kind of hurt my deal with Wilkie because by that time, <laughs> You know, he he picked up a pretty much a full time guy, and then as time went on, I probably run about oh fifteen twenty champ car races through the years and different drivers, but uh, owners. But after a while, I it kind of got into the point where to get a real good ride, you had to have you know a rich dad buy you one or something like that. Or to, to be fair with everybody else, maybe I maybe I wasn't as good in them as I thought, but uh, I really did want to run them. It just didn't work out. Well, it was certainly a, a a pleasure to see you in that Foyt Roadster at the Harry Miller Club a couple of years ago, oh, and and that that, that is something else, huh? To, to get a, one of those off you powered roadsters, isn't it? Oh my gosh! You know, for a guy like me that grew up with my brother sitting in the first turn at Milwaukee, watching the roadsters, you know, through them years, them fabulous roadster years with Foyt and geez, Jimmy Clark, Hernandez, Brantz, all these guys, we sat there just spellbound and we lived in rockford it wasn't easy to get up here you know but we mm-hmm. always figured a way to talk my mother or somebody to drop us off or something and then uh, 
you know, and then to be able to get in this roadster that Foyt drove of, of Phil Riley, who builds the most incredible vintage roadsters, you know, or restores them to just to the point to where every bolt is the same as it was back then, you know, every, it's so historically correct, you know, and uh, for him to let me run it, I've done it a few times now, just, just the thought of going down that front straightaway and you hear that off, he's singing and yeah. You, you know, you, you look. I look at them grandstands down there and see two two guys sitting there, my brother and me. You know, as kids, every time I go by and I I I, I see Foyt and Hernabees on the outside of me. You know, <laughs> and me, you know, I'm out there in my own little dream world. You know, but it, it's just such an incredible thrill for a guy like me to be able to run those cars because the guys that drove those cars were really the bravest and toughest race drivers ever made for this you know racing world. You know, because they drove cars that were incredibly dangerous. They, you know, they, they're not like the safety things they have today. And, you know, it, it was just such an era where it took such tough, brave men to, to run them. And physically, at 100 miles at Springfield and want to run roadsters, or even 100, 200 miles at whatever they ran at Milwaukee, these guys got out of the car totally exhausted, you know, covered with oil, exhausted. And today you watch an IndyCar race, they step out, their uniform isn't even look like they've worn it, and they're walking around like nothing happened, you know. So I give them guys so much credit. I know Johnny Rutherford told me the story back in 66 where when they came to Indianapolis, they would come in April, you know, be there for the month, the whole month of May, and then after that they'd stick around and run sprint cars and midgets, whatever it took, you know, the rest of the year to stay alive and make money because the Speedway – really didn't just making the 500 back then didn't really make you rich but right away you know so but he told me the story where four of them come back from the texas that year and they all lived in somebody's basement across the street from the speedway which many drivers did back day because there wasn't motels and hotels right around the area at that time and they would live in somebody's basement and uh uh he said by the end of the summer when it was time to go back in september he was the only one left all the others had been killed off you know so that just kind of shows you how uh, dangerous it was back then and, you know, what what brave guys these were. It certainly was a rough time, and uh, you can see a lot of those old-style uh, front-engine roadsters and whatnot uh, at the Milwaukee Mile for the Harry Miller meet, which will return in 2017. And it's an easy date to remember. If you remember, it's the weekend of the Friday and Saturday after the 4th of July weekend in 2017 at the Milwaukee Mile where you can see those cars uh, run around uh, on the track. <laughs> Kevin, it's always a pleasure having you on the show. Well, I appreciate it. I uh, I sure hope people enjoy the book. Uh, uh, I think it's pretty uh, easy to read. Of course, it's been censored uh, quite heavily, <laughs> I'm sure. But uh, you know, but it, it's a good, fun book. A lot of pictures, and and I, if you don't find it online, I, I I also have it available in Rockford at home. There, I, I'm at K O Race, K O R A C E nine five at AOL.com, and I'd be happy to get you one right away. So uh, enjoy the book, and, uh, I, you know, let me know if you don't enjoy it, too. I, I just I just think it's going to be fun for a lot of people. Yeah, we'll also post that on our final inspection uh, Facebook page, and also uh, we'll tweet that out at um, uh, SFI1250 uh, yeah. on Twitter. So we'll get that information Make out sure to you, the fans. And 
make sure you mention my name. Then I, I might get a better cut, you know, yeah. the KO rate. <laughs> and I, I, if I sell it up, I get a little more. So well, we, we, we certainly love Coastal 181 because they also sell my videos oh, there, too. So I got my old Milwaukee Mall videos that my father shot in the 50s and 60s. So if you're interested in that old style uh, Milwaukee Mall stuff, you can get that also well, at Coastal 181, in which they. Uh, Coastal 181 has a tremendous yes. arrangement of books. I mean, not just open wheel. They've got everything. And I mm-hmm. mean, Lou's just got some neat stuff there. So thank you for having me anyway, Steve. I appreciate it. Usually people cut me off after about two minutes. <laughs> so I appreciate it. All right. Well, thanks, Kevin. Uh, you were listening to Kevin Olson on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. After 80 years of helping Wisconsin homeowners, Great Midwest Bank knows a thing or two about helping you buy, build, refinance, or renovate. Visit greatmidwestbank.com. They're ready when you are. When we come back after the sports flash, we'll return with uh, Dennis Michelson from Race Talk Radio and uh, clean up some things from the first hour that we didn't get to uh, with Dennis. You're listening to the Final Inspection Show brought to you by Legendary Great Lakes Dragway, along with our friends at the Milwaukee Area Napa Auto Care Association on web at milwcar.com. The Talladega boys raise the whiskey and gold glass. Final Inspection Show brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove, Wisconsin, along with our friends at the Milwaukee Area Napa Auto Care Association. They can be found on the web at milwcar.com. And that'll be the last time we use that as our bumper music. Thank you. I, I couldn't help myself. I'm not a country fan either, and I don't want to alienate the audience, but. Well, we gave it a shot. Uh, and we I, got- I just. It's a Talladega race weekend, right? So. Yeah. It's like softball where you get one swing Talladega. and that's it. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> I think the the Manana song from the Muppets uh, was was better than that one. Anyway, rejoining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline, we brought him back for a second for I guess an encore uh, appearance on Victory the show. Victory Lap, Victory Lap, Dennis Michelson from Race Talk Radio. Welcome back to the show, Dennis. Well, thank you so much, Z Man, and I, I've actually got a recommendation for you to consider for next year when you're talking about Talladega. If you want a song that will really do it, you need to go ahead and play Grandpa Jones's version of Alabama. That will be so thrilling. You'll want to use it every week or you'll want to use a Grandpa Jones song every week. You know, that's Grandpa Jones from Hee Haw. I I, I know that Mitch has no idea who that is, but uh, I know who Grandpa yeah, Jones is, and, and what's the song again? It's it's just called Alabama. Alabama. I think that'll be your that'll be the bumper music on the way at the end of the segment. We'll use that. I I think so. That would be fantastic. Because okay. you you know I went to a chicken roast down the street. Yeah. You know people there down there didn't like what me. I'm on my way. I'm yeah. on my way to Mitch, Alabama. Mitch's uh, cocktail sausages are typing furiously on the keyboard looking for their song as we speak. So, <laughs> Oh, you'll you'll love it. You'll love it. You'll never want another song to use for Talladega ever again. I guarantee it. All right. How many callers are going to get upside down this weekend? Oh, my goodness. Upside down? That I will I will probably say zero. Okay. It, it does does seem like these cars love to land on on all fours, but how many cars will be destroyed? I think I'd put the over under at uh, at about uh, 
nine or ten uh, that totally destroyed, and probably about fifteen is the over under for cars involved in in the big one. Uh, so yeah, there'll be carnage out of Talladega. There's no doubt about that. In fact, the truck race so far today, we've had uh, a few sort of mini big ones. Uh, John West Townley spun right in front of the pack, and what? somehow only four cars got involved. JWT in an accident? Crash. John West Townley uh, crashed. I, I know how unlikely that is. Huh. And uh, yeah, this, wow. this past wreck, I'm not sure who started it, but it ended up being about uh, eight or 12 uh, trucks involved, depending on how, how you count damage. And Daniel Hemrick got the worst of it, so he's one of the guys in in title contention. Although, if anybody does uh, understand this chase format and why they're using it in either the Xfinity Series or the Truck Series, please let me know because there are deserving guys who are having to battle equally with guys that that were more than seven races behind them in the points uh, after their regular season. There are guys in contention in the Xfinity Series who haven't even had a top five finish and have only had four top tens all year, yet they're still in title contention. If anyone can explain to me why that makes sense, to crown a champion with pretty much a roulette wheel, uh, please let me know. I'd, I'd be glad to hear it because I still haven't heard a good good explanation of this one. Well, because nobody's been paying attention for the previous uh, last five years, that's why. And nobody's still paying attention <laughs> based on about 5,000 right. people in the stands out there at Talladega today for the truck race. You're not going to get more fans simply because you say it's the playoffs. It doesn't work that way. It works that way in stick and ball sports. It has never worked that way in racing. And if we're too silly to understand that by now, then we really don't understand racing. Well, the current leadership in Daytona has a stick and ball envy problems. That's the issue that we're having. Yeah, I would say that's an accurate analysis, but maybe what they need to do is have Brian France go buy an NFL team with all his millions and uh, and leave the racing to someone who understands racing. Because I don't care if it's IndyCar, I don't care if it's NHRA, I don't care if it's NASCAR, I don't care what kind of racing that you have. Your big events, the Daytona 500, the Indianapolis 500, the Rolex 24 for the uh, road course racers, those events get more eyeballs on them than any playoff race will get. It's just the way it's always been, and it's the way it always will be. The the uh, U.S. Nationals at Indianapolis every year will have a higher rating than the final race of the NHRA season where they crown their champions. And the same thing will happen uh, this year again with NASCAR. NASCAR will be lucky if they get maybe 20% of the eyeballs looking at that Miami race as we'll be looking at the Daytona 500 on any given year. It's the nature of racing fans. Right. They love big races. They don't care about playoffs. And as a matter of fact, until the chase started, a very small population of the racing fans in NASCAR even really followed the championship standings that closely. 
and didn't mean they weren't still tuning into the race. That's a good point. Yeah, because uh, well, it I'm I'm a little biased uh, for reasons uh, Wisconsin fans will understand with the uh, uh, point standings and whatnot with Alan Kowicki because my feeling is Dale Earnhardt would not have seven win seven championships if uh, Alan Kowicki and or Davey Allison would not have been killed uh, in 1993. But that's another. Th- entire point I don't want to go or subject I want to get into uh, I do want to real quickly uh before we break here go in uh the the unofficial uh standings non not the chase format still has Kevin Harvick leading the points so I thought that was kind of interesting uh which is what what says you about that do you have any opinions on uh well, I'm I'm not a big fan for looking at what the points would have been. Oh, come on, Dennis! Why not? That's different. fun. Teams <laughs> race different. It, you can't oh, that is say, true. Oh, I'll give you, you that. Know, you yeah, count them all up because I guarantee the 48 team over the years has done a lot of in-season testing that they would not have done if all 36 races counted equally. So I think they're the classic example, but I think there were other guys as well. And you hear it from the drivers. Well, we're taking more chances now because we already have that right. that locks us in. So to count the points the old-fashioned way, just it doesn't cut it for me. I will give you that. It's a good point. Give me a prediction on uh, uh, Talladega. Well, I am really a big fan of the Joe Gibbs racing guys this week again. And uh, until – I have uh, had it proven to me that they don't have some kind of a little advantage here. And, yeah, I know it's restrictor plate. Anything can happen. But each and every week, I'll take a Joe Gibbs racing guy, and I'll give you the rest of the field, and I'll feel pretty happy about that. Which one? I'm going to say Carl Edwards this week. He's my pick to to win it all this week. Mm. I I just have a feeling that Cousin Carl is pretty good at this uh, old drafting thing. He used to be better at the tandem drafting, right? Um, but he's still pretty doggone good and has had some good success being up front and being in contention for wins here at Talladega, even in the group uh, drafting deal. So I like Mr. Cousin Carl to uh, come through with the big win. Excellent, Dennis. Thank you, as always. Don't forget to check in the Race Talk Radio for the latest happening over there. Oz, good stuff throughout the week. Make sure you check all during the week. Dennis, we'll chat with you next week, and we'll listen to Grandpa Jones on the way out here. Oh, man, he's the best. Thank you, Z-Man. All right, thank you, Dennis. You're listening to the Final Inspection Show, brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in New Grove, Wisconsin, along with their friends at the Milwaukee Area and Apple Auto Care Centers. They can be found on the web at milwcar.com. With Steve Zaki, presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragaway in Union Grove, driven by Milwaukee Area Napa Auto Care Association on 105.7 FM, The Fan. Hey, welcome back to the Final Inspection Show, brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragaway in Union Grove, Wisconsin. 
get out to Great Lakes Dragway today. The sun is out. It's a little cool, but little I'm, cool. I'm, I'm sure they're running out there this weekend. Oh, yeah. It's again, the weather will be even better tomorrow. It's supposed to be uh it's supposed sunny. to warm back up to like the mid-60s yeah, again mid-60s tomorrow. Yeah, so. mid-60s tomorrow, which, uh, I mean, a week off from Halloween, that's pretty good. Yeah, really. That, I mean, it's been quite pleasant. I, I covered the Bucks game on Wednesday, and usually that walk from your car to the arena mm-hmm. for a Bucks game is uh, a little brisk. To, to, for an understatement, but uh, do they let you park in media parking? Uh, well, not me. Not you, huh? <laughs> not me. Nope. I I have to park a few blocks away, and uh, really, they don't let you park in the little. Parking? No, God, no. I, I don't nice. know. I, don't, I honestly don't know who does. I'm sure. Oh, it's I used to. Not. <laughs> not the uh, the peons like me, if you will. So. Drive that ambulance right in there. Parked it right front row. They yeah, had a reserve spot for us. They changed was... it all up, and plus it's all it's all closed up down yeah. there because of the of the construction. So right. normal way I went, I got I ended up getting stopped, and um, there's a very helpful police officer down there. So I had to walk around, mm. get in there, and then they they changed sides, in which with the media enters. So anyway, yeah, that was. Uh, but luckily, it was you know 65 degrees at you know whatever time that was right. six o'clock at night. So yeah, it's it, the point is good weather so far. Get out there. Great Lakes Dragway. And let's not forget our friends at the Milwaukee Area and Apple Auto Care Association. They can be found on the web at milwcar.com. Of course, uh, if you have an issue with your car, make sure you check them out. And their ASC certified technicians will be more than happy to take care of you. You can trust them. They are all trustworthy. Because if you're not, they kick you out. Did you know that, Mitch? No, it's, I didn't. It's not, it's not like one of these things where uh, you, you qualify for this or, you know, association that you're in forever. You you have to keep a standard. Keep a standard, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's pretty interesting. So, um, and, uh, Well, we'd like to thank everybody that came on the show Speaking today. Speaking of standards, yeah. Yeah, Dennis Michelson, of course, Race Talk Radio. Thank you. A double uh, dose Dennis. of Dennis. That double, double shotgun. That's right. And then, uh, of course, Tony DeZeno from NBC Sports Online, uh, who's down in Austin having a good time, I'm sure down at the Circuit of the Americas uh, covering the United States Grand Prix uh, for NBC Sports, and uh, that will be on Channel 4 locally on NBC uh, on national TV tomorrow uh, in the afternoon. Of course, with no Packer game for those uh, that are interested, take a look. And then let's not forget uh, Talladega tomorrow. Is it the Hellman's? The Hellman's 500, yeah. Hellman's 500 at Talladega tomorrow in the Sprint Cup. And then uh, i also like to thank uh, Kevin Olson. Uh, one of the great characters and, and a darn good uh, dirt track driver, midget driver in his day, and still will occasionally get behind a meal of a midget race car uh, with his latest book, Cages Are for Monkeys, that is available uh, through Coastal181.com, along with, my, of course, my race videos from Milwaukee Mile you can get, Mitch, on Coastal181. So I'd like to thank uh, everybody that joined us on the show that made it what it is. And, uh, you know, we had, uh, what was that, Luke? Luke uh, or Eric Church we had on before. Eric Church, Talladega. Yep. I did not did not like that song. And then we had Grandpa Jones, uh, Alabama, which is that's 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 pretty hardcore. That's that's what my in laws like. That's the that's the real but, country music. Well, real, as, well as this say. is real country coming up. Waylon, when you talk real, real country with me, I mean you're talking about Waylon Jennings, Willie Nelson, that kind of stuff. I like my old school country music, the stuff that they don't play on country radio anymore. No. I mean that that's for a whole different show. I think is the yeah. uh, a whole nother show. We could probably do two hours on that in country, oh, yeah. country music these days. So, but uh, yeah, we we could play this, right? You could play that bass line. That's a good. I could I could even play this on the drums now, even this? though I haven't played drums in many years. 
We could maybe change that. Yeah, a little bit. But uh, classic song, Lukenbach, Texas. Thank you for listening to the Final Inspection Show. Uh, thanks to our friends at Great Lakes Dragway and Milwaukee Area Napa Auto Care Association. We will chat with you next week, same time. Thank you. Maybe it's time we got back to the basics of love. Let's go to Luke and Buck, Texas, Waylon and Willie and the boys. The successful life we're living. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.